0: Hi, welcome to Responsor Radio Kids Edition, where kids ask and we answer questions of Jewish law in modern times. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip, here with Rabbi Ethan Tucker, and we are recording this episode with a little help from Hadar's Children and Families Division, which you may know from our weekly Parsha magazine, Dvash, and our Parsha podcast, Torah Time. Find out more and subscribe at hadar.org kids. so here's today's kid question. In my family, we wait three hours after eating meat before eating dairy. What is the reason for three hours? And why don't I have to wait the same amount of time after eating dairy before eating meat?
1: Oh, I love this question. I grew up also waiting three hours and I just, I have a memory once of sitting in my grandparents' house watching the clock
0: Mm -hmm. after
1: we had some meat lunch and I was like waiting for it to get to I had timed it out till I could have a chocolate milk and I think at like two hours and 57 minutes my father was like I think it's okay I think we're like about (laughs) at the time I can start making it for you it's all right but so as a kid you're like waiting to have the chocolate milk the ice cream whatever it is I really identify with this question.
0: Yes, I have a friend who became a vegetarian because she said, I never want to find myself in a situation where I can't have ice cream.
1: (laughs) Well, those are extreme measures, but if you can handle it, hats off. So, all right, this is great. Let's talk about this. So um, I think a lot of people might know that the Torah says, don't cook a, a kid, a young goat, not a kid, person kid. Uh, in It's
0: important to specify a different kind of kids' response radio.
1: Exactly. We Maybe we'll do a response radio for, for kid goats? goats. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, so it says don't cook that with its mother's milk. And it actually seems like reasonably it, it might actually just be talking about meat and dairy and and cooking them together. But that's beyond what we're going to talk about here. But by the time you get to like the Mishnah and the basis for how we think about how we do things today, um, actually, one of the earliest things we hear um, of Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, some of our earliest sages, is it's very clear to them, meat and milk are not allowed on the same table. Mm -hmm. Okay, Even if you're not going to eat them together, like you certainly can't eat them together in one bite. But you don't even serve them on the same table. What's not clear is, okay, fine. I don't serve them on the same table. That's somehow connected to the uh, mitzvah in the Torah.
0: But do I have to? Just to be clear, you don't serve them on the same table at the same time.
1: At the same time. That's right. But do I have to wait? In other words, I can't just have um, meat on one side of the table, dairy on one side of the table. But can I have a meat on the table? eat it, then take it off, put it away, and then uh, put, you know, dairy stuff right on there and eat it right away? Or am I supposed to wait between them? Not just not eat them at the same time, but actually wait. Doesn't seem like everyone agreed. Surprise, surprise. We have one tradition from Rabbi Yochanan who said, what do you mean? You don't have to wait at all. Like, don't eat them together, but there's no waiting at all. That Talmud does not like that. Uh Uh-huh. Because there's another rabbi, Rav Chista, who says, no, no, no. Achal basar lo yochal gvina. If you eat meat, you're not allowed to eat cheese, dairy afterwards. And he doesn't spell out how much time. But he clearly thinks there's some waiting period that you have to go between eating meat and then dairy. So everyone kind of follows that. They assume, well, you have to wait something. But then there's basically a huge argument over what that means. And you get an amazing story of one sage. Uh, his name was Marukba, who says, oh, I'm not as good as my father. My father was amazing. If he ate meat, he would wait 24 hours until he had dairy. Okay, so meaning his father, let's say if he had like, you know, uh, a brisket on Friday night for dinner, he wouldn't have any ice cream until the end of Shabbat.
0: Got it. So he really divides his life into meat and dairy times.
1: That's right. It's like today's a meat day, a dairy day, and that's the way he did it. Uh, Marukba says, I'm not. I'm not that good. I don't do it that way. I wait from one meal to the next. Okay. I won't have it at the same meal. And I wait from one meal to the next meal. Mm -hmm. Now, that's kind of helpful. It's less than a day, but still, what's that? Right? What's between one meal and the next?
0: Right. Also, did these rabbis know about snacking?
1: Yeah. So, exactly. Do we think of a meal? There's a couple, let's just play it out. There's a couple different ways you could understand that. From one meal to the next might mean from like lunch until dinner meaning you have like set times in the day where you generally eat right and when he says from one meal to another he means the amount of time we usually have between our major meals that's how a lot of people understood it the rambam one of our famous uh authorities in halakha in jewish law and practice that's what he said he said it means Six hours, because if you think about it, you have lunch around 12, you have dinner around six, something like that. Um, so what you have to do if you're following Mar Uqba is you wait six hours between meat and milk. And that's what a lot of people do.
0: Right. I was going to say there there are a lot of people who do that. If the, the kid who submitted this question sounds like waits three, but there are certainly people who wait six.
1: Yeah. And in fact, if you go to the Shulchan Aruch, the code of Jewish law and look up, you know, what's written there. The standard answer is you should wait six. Okay. However, there were other people who said, what do you mean? From one meal to another just means if I clear the table and, you know, bring out a whole new set of stuff um, and it's clear I've reset the table for a new meal and it's not like, you know, just putting something on the same tablecloth that was there before. That's a new meal. We're not actually caring about time. When Marukba said from one meal to another, he meant from one setup of a meal to a new setup of a meal. And Rabbeinu Tam, who was another one of our famous rabbis from the past, um, that's what he said. He basically said, you know, you got to like clean out your mouth. Make sure you don't have any, like, pieces of meat in there. But once you've ended the meal, said bir karamazon, you know, you've, like, ended it and, and said the brachot, the blessings that you need to, um, then you can start right away. So Rabbein tam would have been okay, for instance, of you sit down, to do a nice roast beef dinner, you finish, you say bir katamazon, maybe you, like, make sure there's no meat in your mouth, and then you can have some ice cream in the living room.
0: Right. So in this case, you say... Don't have them at the same table. If I go to another table, I'm at a different table.
1: Yeah, something like that, right? Again, you'd want to make sure you're not actually combining bits of meat and dairy in your mouth. But according to that view, you can really wait almost no time at all. You just have to, like, make it very clear. No, I would never eat meat and milk together. And these are separate. Right. All right. A version of Rabbeinu Tam's practice played out. There were a lot of communities where... They didn't quite go that far, but they kind of waited an hour, you know, they waited. They were like, yeah, I'm going to end that meal and wait enough time that like it feels like I'm not in the same moment. Um, and there's there's a lot of Jews. Certainly, there's a lot of Jews who are from uh, Holland, Dutch Jews, for whom that's their main practice. But lots of other people in other communities that do that as well.
0: Right. It's helpful for me to to hear about that position and to understand that the people, the Jews, if 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 you know someone or you are someone who waits one hour, that's actually a an expanded version of saying you don't. You just had to say Birkat Amazon and move on. It's not a short version of the three hour or the six hour, it's actually a longer version of you didn't really have to wait, but if you wait an hour, all the food's probably going to be gone from your mouth.
1: That's right. And that's actually really helpful, I think, for thinking about the three hour rule.
0: Yeah. The, where does that come from? We didn't hear any opinion that gives us three hours. That's yet. right.
1: And indeed, it's a little bit of a mysterious opinion because there are not sources that like are very clear in terms of where they come from and who's saying them and rabbis standing behind them that talk about three. We have sources that talk about one. We have sources that talk about six. But there's a lot of people who start doing three. Uh And eventually people start talking about it or trying to understand what's going on here. So some people talk about it. They get kind of upset, even angry. They're like, There are all these people that are doing three hours. They're just cheating on six hours. Uh And you should not do that. And that is terrible. And there are some people who grow up, you know, waiting three hours. And later when they learn about this, they decide, you know what? I'd really rather go back to the standard of longer period of time. It makes me feel better, uh, you know, about where I sit in the tradition. Uh, and, And that's okay. And you might do that when you grow up. And some people even think about that, even if they're not vegetarians, they want to feel like eating meat is a big deal. And yeah, okay, I might eat meat sometimes, but sort of want to feel like that's going to knock me out for the rest of the day. And maybe I'll think more, you know, responsibly about how often do I eat meat.
0: Right. Okay. So that's one way to think about it. So that's one way to
1: think about it. The other way to think about it, though, is rabbis kind of tried to think, Well, what might be going on here that actually makes sense? One of the things they said was, well, if you go back to how we got to six. We got to six by saying that's the amount of time like between lunch and dinner. What if you live in like northern Europe where the days get really short in the winter and it can be a very short amount of time from lunch until it gets dark.
0: I gotta say, it feels that way in New York City in the winter, also when Shabbat starts at four fifteen.
1: That's right, definitely. <laughs>
0: or in Boston, where I used to live, and Shabbat started at three forty-five. I think at the at the shortest.
1: Hmm. And if you think about it, even in terms of like Shabbat, where there's an idea that you have su dash lishit, another meal before the end of Shabbat, and you might have lunch at something like twelve or twelve thirty. And then in the winter, Sue Dashly Sheet might have to be at like 3 or 3.30. You might actually have an experience of, no, sometimes I only have three hours between two meals. I feel like I have to have or I'm supposed to have because you're supposed to have two separate meals on the day of Shabbat itself.
0: See, this is why I always want to have lunch at 10 o'clock in the morning. It helps with this problem.
1: (laughs) That definitely makes a lot more sense for not feeling overstuffed and miserable. But some rabbis suggested maybe that's the basis for the three hours. The six hours was never really about an amount of time on the clock. It was about what's our kind of understanding of how long goes between meals. And maybe there were some communities where actually a gap of three hours, at least sometimes on some days, felt like from one meal to another. And so the three hour might come from there. The other thing I think, and it goes back to what you said before, the three hours, in a way, instead of thinking of it as cheating on six hours, might be a strict version of the one hour. Uh-huh. Really, if you think about it, a lot of the people who keep three hours come from Ashkenazi communities who, traditionally at least, the Rama, Rav Moshe Isserlis, who was one of the great poskim, one of the great uh, rabbis of halakha, that wrote about this, he says, Our practice is to do one hour. And you can imagine communities saying, just like the one hour people said, well, we're not going to eat right away, but we'll wait an hour. Well, I'm not going to eat after one hour, but I'll wait three as opposed to six.
0: Yeah, that feels reasonable to me because um, the same way that you feel like you're in a different place when you say, no, we cleaned up, we did the dishes from that meal. I'm not even in the same building anymore three hours later or six hours later, um, an hour later, you could still be sitting at the same Javis table. You know, you could have, you could still have the meat food on the table, but you didn't eat it for an hour. And then you might say, I still feel like I'm in this meal, even though it's actually been an hour. Right. All of this makes sense. I understand why some might wait one hour, some three, some six. Um, But why is this only in the direction of meat to dairy? How come we don't have the same timing or, or concerns when we move from dairy to meat?
1: Great, great question. It goes back to, remember, I mentioned Ravchista was the rabbi on the Talmud who said, if you eat meat, you're not allowed to eat cheese. And then we had to fill in what did he mean, how much time? That same rabbi says, oh, but if you eat cheese, you're allowed to eat meat. So just in terms of the very person who came along and said, you must wait after meat, said you do not need to wait after cheese going to meat. Now, the question is why, right? Right. What's different about them? Isn't it just you're not supposed to combine them? Why should the order matter? So there were two main theories of explaining why this was the case. One was the idea that actually meat kind of sticks in your mouth as a flavor longer than dairy. Certainly if you have, like, spicy, intense meats. Mm -hmm. But even meat with its fat and sort of all the flavors. um, That's why some people don't like eating meat. They feel like it makes them feel, like, full of something for a long time. Uh, The idea that it is moshech ta'am. It draws out its flavor for a long time. In a way, the dairy, you eat it and you sort of move forward. That's one idea why you would treat them differently. The second is that meat can get stuck in between your teeth. Yeah. In the way that a glass of milk doesn't. But that one's interesting because then some people came along and said-
0: Toothbrushes?
1: Well, what if I have cheese? That's like a hard cheese with a strong flavor. Mm -hmm. And it gets caught in my teeth. And maybe even like in the first reasoning, I'm tasting, I don't know how many of our listeners like blue cheese, you know, or really strong, stinky cheeses like that, but you could feel those in your mouth for a long time. And there were some rabbis who said, oh yeah, this might've been okay with like, if I eat yogurt, I can then have meat afterwards, but absolutely not. I'm going to wait after cheese also. And I don't know what the questioner's family's practice is, but there are people who, even after eating hard cheese, will wait even six hours before they wow. eat meat. Because if you don't think it's really about meat versus milk, but it's about how much is it still in your mouth, then that's really the distinction that you're making.
0: Yeah, that gets, it fits into meat days and dairy days. If you're a meat day and dairy day person, um, like who was it, Marukba, I think you said, then, then you're fine. That's right. Your cheese won't mix either.
1: That's right. And yeah, when you say toothbrushes, so toothbrushes is, you know, what a lot of people will say even when they're a little less strict about it. And that's what I grew up with is, you know, when you eat uh, dairy, even if you're not going to wait a long period of time, you still need to rinse your mouth out. Um, You still need to do something just to make sure it's not right in there with whatever you're then going to eat, you know, from the meat side of things.
0: So in conclusion, kids, uh, tell your parents to serve your ice cream first before you eat your meat at dinner. And and that solves the problem, right? You should have had that chocolate milk as an appetizer. <laughs> Thanks. Do you have a halachic question you'd like answered on Kids Response Radio? Email us at halacha@hadar.org. at hadar.org h-a-l-a-k-h-a-h at hadar.org you can tell us your name and age and where you're writing from or you can ask anonymously we'd love to hear from you Responsor Radio is a project of the Hadar Institute thanks to Jeremy Tabak for producing this podcast and to Evan Feist for editing this episode